You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. My thing is helping people understand how our brains work so that we can be better and do better in any area of life that's important to us. So as well as bite-sized brain science, I'll be bringing you interviews and advice from experts and guests who specialize in working with entrepreneurs and leaders to help them explore potential, possibilities, and ways to be more effective. And the best bit? We can start right now. Hey there, welcome to the show. Now, what if I said, here's 20 minutes with a top career advisor that might make the difference between being swept up in the great resignation and asking some questions that would actually help shift your whole perspective on your current job? What if you could be sure that it was time to quit and start something new or whether it was worth maybe coming at it from a slightly different angle? Well, today I'm talking to Mark Hirschberg and Mark is the author of The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. He's also helped start a program at MIT, which is referred to as the Career Success Accelerator. So if any of the above descriptions resonated, then this is definitely worth tuning in for. I love reading through my guest resumes and Mark stands out on a number of levels. For one, I don't think I've interviewed anyone else so far who's worked at both Harvard and MIT, let alone anyone who lists tracking criminals and terrorists on the dark web in their experience. Mark has also created marketplaces and new authentication systems and launched and developed new ventures at startups and Fortune 500s. His collection of university degrees seems only to be rivaled by his collection of cufflinks. And it turns out that he loves a good spreadsheet, but I won't hold that against him. Our conversation opens with a look at the great resignation and whether people are throwing the career baby out with the bathwater of career dissatisfaction. But let's face it, entrepreneurship is not for everyone. So with that in mind, we look at how to create a plan to get your career moving in the direction you want it to so that it matches your overall life vision, assuming, of course, that you have one. And if you haven't, then listen up, because this episode has some truths in it about how the pieces of this puzzle fit together and why you're not going to nail it unless you use all the bits effectively. And watch out at the end for Mark's free resources to help you build your career plan. Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. I am absolutely delighted to have you here, and I really do want to pick your brains about a few things. So thank you for giving us the time to to hear what you have to say on it. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to share some tips with your audience. Super. Mark, um, we hear a lot at the moment about the great resignation, as it's called. And what I am hearing as well from people is that, you know, they, they've they've come to a point where they want a change. They're not necessarily sure what the change is or should be. And there is a feeling that, you know, the grass is greener in the entrepreneurial field. So I'm wondering, are people jumping unnecessarily? Is there something else that they can do to make more of what they've already got and built over the years? Yes, indeed. Unfortunately, so many people run from something rather than go to something. Mm. They say, I am not happy where I am, so anywhere else has to be better. But they're just winding up in these arbitrary places that's just different, but not necessarily better. What we want to do with our careers is go to a destination, have some idea where we want to go and why. And you're not guaranteed to get it right. We've all early said, oh, I think that would be fun. I really think I'd enjoy this. And then it turns out you're wrong. And that's okay, but then you go to somewhere else. So when you are unhappy with your job, 
you want to begin to say, what is making me unhappy? What is an alternative that would make me happy and why? The alternative might be a new job, maybe the same job at a different company. It might be an entirely new career path to people who set out and say, I want to go out on my own. Or it might be the, my current job or a different role in my current company, but these things have to change to make it better. If we are conscious of what would be an improvement, then we can explicitly work towards finding something that meets that criteria, whether generating it in our current role or finding a new role. Yeah, yeah, that that knowing what you want, that, that is so critical, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't really matter what you're doing, I guess. It's that old uh, thing of, you know, if you set sail and you have no compass or no direction, then you're hardly going to get there apart from by sheer, sheer luck. <laughs> well, that's exactly how I begin my chapter on career planning is with that analogy. Now, sometimes the currents will carry you towards your destination. Sometimes they're going to work against you. You can't rely on it, but no matter what, you need to be actively moving your boat forward. Mm. And that's what we have to do in our careers. Sometimes opportunities come our way. Sometimes the company says, oh, big new project. We'd love to get you on it. That's exactly what you've been hoping for. Sometimes things happen, a global pandemic, for example, and suddenly your job isn't what you thought, or maybe the job is gone. So we can't just rely on hope or these invisible forces to take us where we want to go, we need to actively plan, set sail, and navigate to where we want to go. So in our careers, it begins by asking questions about what do we want? Mm. And it's not just questions about the job. It's not saying, do I want to manage people? Yes, that is a question to include, but it is also questions about your life. Where do you want to live? What type of job do you want? Do you want that nine to five and then I'm done? Do you want the job where it's a lot more flexible, but maybe you are doing some work at 10 at night? Are you okay doing long hours if you get paid really well? These are the trade-offs we want to ask ourselves. And it comes down to the life that you want because our job needs to fit into our life. We should not build our life around our job. And then once you have answers to these questions, you can begin to formulate a plan to get you to the job that you want. Yeah, so that's really... Um critical, isn't it, to to know and to be able to self-analyze enough to understand your own, not just your values, but what it is that you actually value as well, because they're not necessarily the same thing. Very true. And so I have a number of questions in the book, and they're actually for free on the website as well, to help you start to think about this. But of course, this is a starting set of questions. You can add your own questions in, and then you can also talk to other people, ask other people about their careers. What do you do? Why do you like it? What don't you like about it? What do you wish you knew when you went into this job? And it might be, I'm never going to do your job. That's okay. And if you're young, this is helpful. Maybe I do want to do what you're doing. But even if we're later in our careers, I don't necessarily want to do your job. But when I hear you talk about the excitement of building spreadsheets, for example, I would say... <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard a sentence quite like that before. <laughs> I figured I'd take it in a, in a very different direction. For some people, that is exciting. I happen to enjoy making some good spreadsheet models. Like, wow, I would love to do that. Hey, I should do what I'm doing, but maybe add in building more spreadsheet models. Or probably most people are saying, oh my God, that is horrible. How can I do what I'm doing and never look at a spreadsheet again? But it doesn't matter. We're We're not looking for do I want your job or not? 
What we're looking for are the components of different jobs, the aspects of different jobs. And are there aspects of other jobs that would make my job even better Mm. or worse? And that's how I can help construct what the role is that I want. Yeah, yeah. So I guess, you know, for, for for one person, that could be, I really like to be an active part of an active team. And for somebody else, that might be, you know what, I just like to be let get on with it. Is that, is that the sort of thing you're thinking about? Exactly. You might like a lot of collaborative teamwork. You might like to be a sole contributor, just lock me in a room. I don't want to talk to other people, but I'm going to do my work uninterrupted. You might prefer doing big complex projects versus lots of small projects. You might like a job that involves lots of travel, or maybe a job where you never have to leave the office. So there are all these different aspects in terms of the mechanics of the job, but even the culture and the style and the nature of the company Mm. that can impact how much you enjoy it. And so all of these play into what type of role we might like. So... Going back to where we started with this, then for someone who has come to a point where they've realized, you know what, I have got I've done 10 years, I've done 15 years or whatever since I left uni. And I'm now at a stage where I have kind of sifted through these values. I I sort of know what I want now, a bit of maturity, a bit of wisdom that comes with age and all the rest of it. And I recognize that, okay, this job is maybe got 30 percent of the things that I want. What are their options? What are what's the advice that you would give them to try and get closer to where they want to be within a career? Is there something that they can do to move themselves in the right direction? There is, and it involves creating a career plan. Now, people get tripped up at creating a career plan. Either they say, "Well, I'm I'm not some kid out of university, so why do I need one? I already know what I'm doing, my industry." But the plan is to get you from where you are to where you want to be. And that applies any time in our career. Mm. It's also not set in stone. That's the other thing that trips people up. How am I going to know what I should be doing in five years? I can barely figure out what I'm having for breakfast tomorrow. (laughs) Okay, you don't have to set in stone. Think about the big projects at work. You're not defining what am I doing on day 187. You're Mm. saying, here's the overall plan. I know what I'm doing on day five. I know what I should be doing kind of in the hundred mid-range down the road. I'll worry about those details later. And if the project changes, which we know it will, I'll adapt my plan. That's how we're going to look at our careers. So it begins by looking at the goal. Look at what's at the end and then ask for that role, for the job I want. Maybe it's a title. Maybe it's a set of responsibilities or activities. How do I get to that job? Now, it might be you qualify for it today and say, well, I just have to go find it. For most of us, it means there are certain experiences, certain achievements, certain knowledge that you might not yet have. So, for example, when I started my career as a software developer, I want to become a CTO. No one's going to let me run a team of 100 people if I haven't managed anyone before. Mm -hmm. So at some point to run 100 people, I'll probably need to manage 50, 60 people. To do that, I'll probably need to have managed maybe 30 people. Before that, maybe 10 people, maybe even three people before that. So there are steps along the way. So to get to that dream job down the road, what are the intermediate steps where you're going to build certain experience, achievements, or knowledge that will take you further to that job you ultimately want? So start with that goal, define the goal, the go-to, and then back out Mm -hmm. how you get there. 
That's a really good way of laying it out. You know, that we've got this, we've got to know where we want to go. And then we, I guess, set the the, the map, the route um, along the way, roughly. <laughs> of course, we'll meet the diversions and all the rest. But um, yeah, so it's, it's not necessarily um, going to be something that we just have a, a straight path to. So going back to what you were saying a little bit earlier about luck and opportunity, how do you advise people to know the difference between a distraction um, and something that's actually going to get them closer to where they want to go? Because it's very hard to tell the difference sometimes. It is. In fact, in a lot of the work I do at startups, we have that problem where we have our goal, but then this opportunity shows up. And sometimes uh, that's a distraction. Sometimes, in fact, wait, that's a whole better opportunity. And we pivot the company and do much better. So how do we do that in our careers? You have to explore. You have to look down the path. So you have the path mm -hmm. that you've been on and you know where that's going. You might have a sense of how great the destination is, maybe some of the obstacles along the way or how long that journey is. And now this new path comes up. So what you want to do is explore that path. You want to ask people who have been down that path in this other potential role, talk to people in that role or who work with people in that role. What's it like? What's good about? What's bad about? What's the journey like to get there? What are the obstacles? What's the length of the journey? Mm. And they can start to compare. So if we use, for example, a road trip analogy, I'm on my way driving. I live in New York. I'm going to drive all the way across the United States to San Francisco. Okay, so I know my goal and I'm going to back out some routes. Now, of course, along the way, there might be bad weather. There might even be, I want to stop off and see a friend, so I'm going to take a little detour. But maybe in my travels as I'm driving across the country, I hear, you know, San Francisco can get pretty cold. Maybe you should go to L.A. This guy I just met was from L.A. He says, it is wonderful down there. And so I start looking into L.A. I call a couple of buddies like, hey, have you been to L.A.? Is it nice? Okay, this sounds great. This sounds better than San Francisco, <laughs> which, by the way, is not my opinion. But for this metaphor, we're going to say, okay, I prefer to, to go to L.A., so I'm going to reroute myself. I'm going to start going south. But maybe even early in my career or early on this road trip, I can say, you know what? I'm going to take the same highway whichever way I go. I can create a plan mm. that delays that decision a little further down the road. I'm not going to turn left now. I can turn left. 300 miles from now. So when we map out our career, we map out these plans and go through in detail how to do this, you can find places where you can make those decision points, possibly delaying them. And that's how you're going to think about when and how to pick which path. Hmm. As you were talking there, you talked a lot about asking people. And I, that sounds a lot like you're depending on a network to um, to get information, to get advice, to find out what's going on in the world. Um, so I take it the the networking aspect of a career plan is pretty vital. I very much encourage it. Now, there's lots of ways to get information. You could, for example, just read up about different careers, different jobs online. You can certainly read about companies. There are other podcasts, for example, where each week they have a different person who talks about her or his career. That this is what I do and this is what's great and not so great. And you can explore it that way. But I do recommend talking to people. 
because then you can really explore and ask questions that are most relevant to you. And so remember, your network are not simply the people you know. They're also the people known by people you know. Because Mm -hmm. if you're looking at a different field, you might not know that many people in the field. But by using your network, you can ask around, find people in that field, find people in those roles, and get connected to them to chat with them about their jobs. I think that's really an effective way to to learn and understand. Because you're going to get a lot more details in that conversation than in a, let me tell you five minutes about what it's like to be a surgeon or aerospace engineer. You're going to get into the details, and the details are what really make or break the job for many people. Hmm. Mark, I'm wondering, is there ever a point where it's just too late? You know, has are there ever people who are, let's say, institutionalized by a, either a corporate job or a whatever job it is? Um, and, you know, is there a point, a cutoff point where you would say, you know what, just stay where you are. Don't worry about trying to create something new or move on or whatever. I don't think you can ever be fully institutionalized if you have the mindset of, I can change. During the Great Recession, I was involved with a program run by New York City, helping people who are displaced by the recession find new careers. Because we knew for many of them, their jobs were not coming back. This wasn't a normal recession. We had to get them on an entirely new career path. And we had folks not just in their 20s and 30s, but 40s, 50s, even some in their 60s who had been in giant corporations of hundreds of thousands of people for most of their career or had been in some job most of their career. And we helped them reframe how they thought and got them into often tiny startup companies. Now, there was an important cultural shift that we had to take them through because the way you behave in a 100,000-person company is very different than how you act in an eight-person company. So there are some differences, but if you have the mindset of, I can operate in different ways, you can move from one to the other. But there is some trade-off when it involves a cost, such as training or knowledge. So if, for example, you are 62 and say, I think I want to be a surgeon, let's say you're 62, that means four years of med school, four years residency. So you're going to come out of your training when you're 70. That to begin with might not be cost effective. You're spending a lot of money, possibly going into debt. You're not going to have a lot of time to repay it. Obviously, this is a bit of an extreme example. Even time to really experience and enjoy it. So we do have to recognize there are costs to some decisions. And it's easier to say, I'm going to invest in this cost at 22 you can still do it at 32. At 42, going to med school, wow, especially now you've got probably a family and you're going to give up a lot of time with them. And then as you get to 72, say, wait, maybe this is not so uh, so wise. So things can change a little over time, but it's ultimately you have to decide the weights on that calculus, the pros and cons, only you can decide what's right for you. Yeah. And I, I guess, if you know, just to, to follow through on that extreme example there, um, you know, it may just be one of those things that is a personal ful- fulfillment issue rather than a career issue. Um, at which point, I guess, you know, it doesn't matter. You want to become a surgeon before you pop your clogs, then I guess it's a case of go for it, right? Absolutely. I do know of people who got PhDs after they retired. They got their PhDs in their 60s. Not that they were expecting a very long and productive career, but that was a milestone they wanted to get. Mm. 
So we just talked a little bit there about the culture shift from maybe bigger places to startups and so on. And I know that um, in your work, Mark, you talk a lot about the interpersonal skills that are required. Is there a sort of an edited highlight that you would give to somebody who is maybe moving or, you know, what's the what's the the nugget, the, the single most important thing that people need to be aware of? For interpersonal skills, the most important thing is to recognize how you develop these skills is different than how we've traditionally learned. When we go to school, when we go to university, we have some experts standing in front of us saying, here's the formula to memorize. Here are the dates. Here are the rules. We get that in books. We get that in podcasts right now. But these skills, communication, leadership, networking, negotiation, these skills are not done through memorization. There is no formula for leadership. There's no three bullet points. And if you do this, now you're a great communicator. So the way we want to learn these skills, it's a lot like learning a sport. With a sport, you can't say, I'm going to teach you cricket. I'm going to spend an afternoon explaining it to you. And now you're a great cricket player. But you have to practice. You have to train. You have to run drills. You have to play scrimmage games. You even might watch tapes of yourself playing, tapes of the other team playing. So that's what we want to do. And the best way to learn is to create peer learning groups. This is something companies can do at no cost. I recommend groups of about six to eight people. And by the way, if your company doesn't want to do this, create your own group, either within the company or create a local meetup group and get other people. So you come together as a group and then you select content. So you can take a book like mine and chop it up and say, we're going to read these 10 pages. And the next week, we're going to read these other 10 pages. If you don't want to use my book, use a different book, use an article, a webinar, use a great podcast like this one. And the idea is that everyone in the group reads that content. And let's suppose it's about leadership. Say, okay, we all just read this. Let's discuss this. What were your thoughts on it? Oh, that's interesting. You looked at it differently than I did. I wouldn't have thought of that. We might talk about an experience that someone had. How did she lead a team? What worked? What didn't? I might bring up, I have a leadership challenge with my team. Here's what I'm thinking. What do you folks think? And in that discussion, that's where we get to the subtleties. That's where we really start to learn because we can't go, I can't go to my team and say, hey, everyone, I'm going to lead for the next two hours. And at the end, say, okay, do over. Just kidding. That wasn't really me leading. We do that with the scrimmage <laughs> game, right? But we can't do that leading. So it's in this group that I can practice. Hey, I'm thinking of messaging this issue this way. What do you think? Or we mm-hmm. can role play. We can get case studies from universities and role play a negotiation or a circumstance. And that's how we develop these skills. So create these peer learning groups where you regularly get together and discuss the content. And by the way, for companies, if a company does this, you not only are upskilling your employees, you are creating more employee engagement. You are helping your employees develop internal networks, build relationships with others, and you are creating a common language for your team because now they've all read this content and you can reference an analogy, a term, a concept. So you get all these great benefits at effectively no cost. Yeah, that's that is so amazing. I, I actually I've got a colleague who would totally love what you're saying because it really matches up with what she's doing. And um, she's a learning and development role. And that's like absolutely where she is with all this stuff. Mark, this has been amazing and really insightful. Thank you um, so much for your 
very clear way of putting all this and I think breaking it down um, so that it it's not such a, I guess, a, a path that looks fraught with, with worry or with uh, potential pitfalls. So thank you very much for that. Um, if people want to find out more, where would, where would they be best going? You can go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. There you can learn more about the book, including where to buy it. You can get in touch with me or follow me on social media. You can follow my blog. You can download the free app available from Android and iPhone stores. It's linked from the website. There's also an entire resources page where I list not only other great books, if you want to go further on some of these topics, but free resources online and free downloads. The first one being how you can create this peer learning group. I walk you through completely free how you can set this up in your own organization. So all of this can be found at my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, Mark. I will see you on the other side. You're still here? Great. Look, I know there's a lot to choose from out there. So thanks for flying with Ambition Incubator Airlines. And I look forward to seeing you on board again soon. Seriously, though, thank you for tuning in. My guests and I love hearing about what inspires you on the show and what advice has made a difference in your life or work and what you'd like more of. So get in touch. If you want to know about my other work, head over to ambitionincubator.com for details. And don't forget to hit subscribe for more great interviews, advice, and bite-sized brain science every week. 